Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love and this episode of Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris is the author of Bringing Baby Home, which is a book helping (laughs) parents work out the first year of a baby's life. Um, But she is a hands-on Mothercraft nurse, which means that she helps families. She goes to their homes. She sorts things out. She tweaks things for, for people, whether that's sleep and settling issues, feeding issues, behavioural challenges. Take them anything. <laughs> take, she'll take anything. So now's your time to give us a call, 1-800-543-772, or you can, if you're watching us live via Facebook, you can pop your question below the video. If you're listening to us via the podcast, send us an email. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. And uh, you really do want to get your questions in because we have Chris for maybe – a month. She, at the end of this month, she's going away for four weeks, people. Four weeks. Mm. And we are going to be doing something a bit different in that time. We're going to get a relationships um, counsellor in so people can ask the questions about everything from their partner to their mother-in-law to their own mother, all sorts of relationships that change after baby. So we're going to be doing that while Chris is away because, <laughs> as we know, they're very big shoes to fill. So we can't get anyone else to do Chris's job. We're getting someone completely different in, which means you have four weeks to, or about that, three weeks to get your questions in before Chris goes away. Absolutely. We have to let her have a break every so often. But first up, we have a question from Dave, who's on the phone. Dave, are you there? Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you well. And uh, I understand, Dave, you have a nine-day-old baby. I do. So excuse me if you can hear me shoveling food away in the, into my mouth. <laughs> I'm sure you know what it's like. Absolutely. The only time you've had to eat is when you call to ask a question. Exactly. We exactly. are thinking of you. So what, what did you want to ask Chris, Dave? Okay, so um, we've obviously read a little bit about nocturnal babies and we're currently sort of experiencing it. Um, so what we understand is that her sleeping might be a little bit confused um, with days and nights for the yep. first little period. Yep. Um, so I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that and whether there's anything we can do to sort of gently bring her back into the sort of right way around or the way around that would suit us better. Sure. <laughs> it's a terrible shock, isn't it, Dave? <laughs> so I think the first thing that I usually tell parents in the first three to four weeks of their life is that there is no day and night. They're not actually around the wrong way. They just okay. um, they don't have that concept of day and night. Mm-hmm. Um but how it feels to us as as the parents or the adults in the situation is it feels like they're awake a lot more at night than they are in the day. And that's got to do with the types of stimulation that they get. Okay. Um, so the first thing, which is the most frightening piece of information bringing a baby home, is that they're born to feed, not to sleep. And <laughs> we say that slowly. <laughs> so because she's feeding around the clock, Um, they often cluster feed in the first three to four weeks at night. So you often perceive that as an unsettled period. And with maturity and age, it sort of starts to drag to late evening and then into the day. And you don't see that first movement till they're about three weeks old. So under three weeks old, it's quite a chaotic pattern. She can feed anywhere from two and a half hours to four hours. Um, The feed probably takes anywhere between 45 minutes and an hour. Uh And she needs at least an hour and a half of sleep to have the energy to feed 
well. Okay. Okay. Yep. So in this time, it's really about getting used to the baby being in your lives. So feeding her, so, you know, your your partner will be really concentrating on the feeding and you two are concentrating on the movement that's happened by a baby coming in. And so the only thing that we'd set into place is that she has her feed, then she gets wrapped and then she gets cuddled. And at this point, there's not a lot about the settling. Just cuddle till she's calm or sleepy, pop her into a bed, but tuck her in, and when you put her into the bed, put your hand on it and gently rock. And Mm -hmm. that'll start to give her that transition between being held and being put down in a bed. But Mm -hmm. it is not unusual that at this stage um, that you might feed at 11 o'clock, then 1 o'clock, and then 3 o'clock overnight, and she hasn't been very settled in between. But as long as the rest of the day, the 24 hours, she's feeding and sleeping, the part of that behaviour is normal. But Mm -hmm. if... By six weeks, it should be, say, around the six o'clock to nine o'clock in the evening period, mm-hmm. and then it just sort of drags in the day. So yeah, sure. the bit you're in at the moment's a bit of the survival part. <laughs> so mm-hmm. grabbing that sleep in the day so you yeah. can be a little bit more rested. But if it was going on, say, for eight hours or 12 hours, where she was just consistently mm-hmm. snacking and napping, I think then I'd go back and assess my feeding because she probably uh-huh. isn't feeding well enough. Okay. Uh, and can I just ask on behalf of, behalf of Dave, who's probably sleep deprived and has just got the first <laughs> questions at the front of his head, um, in terms of... Uh, when when is the right time to start? You you mentioned that it's six weeks. Is yeah. that when Dave should be thinking? That's right. So now that's, she should have a sense of day and night. That's right. So okay. at six weeks, they have the maturity to understand or just to sleep longer at night, and so they're more alert. They can see further. So in the day, they're concentrating on like the light out the window, yeah. uh, your face and your face features. So by the night, she's just a little bit more tired, but you mm. can't tire her out under the six weeks because she gets yeah. overtired too quickly. So it's such a fine line, but if you can just hunker in for the next couple of weeks. But I have yeah. to say at three weeks, it does get dramatically bit better in that she sleeps better between the feeds regardless right of the frequency okay. of the feeds. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, <laughs> so you're halfway there. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Good luck, <Great>. Dave. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, See you. Bye. Speak to you later. Bye-bye. Now we have a question from Facebook from Madison. Thanks, Madison. She's asking, asking about routines for 14-week-olds. What should right. I be doing? Nighttime usually now by 10, 11, up at 3 for a feed. Then it seems to be up for a feed at 5 and 7. But have no idea or consistency during the day. Help. Okay, so once we get into this three-month mark, we can set a lot more um, sort of loose boundaries about the behaviour that we see in the day and the behaviour that we see at night. So when you're still getting up, you know, two or three times after three months of age, usually the reason is the very last feed of the day, that one that hits that six, seven o'clock, she might be too tired, not feeding well, so she wakes more frequently for feeds overnight. So I'd go back and I'd assess the feed that you're doing in that six, seven o'clock window and make sure she's had enough rest so that she feeds properly. So which means that in the period before, so say you fed her between three and four, 
and then she's going to have another feed between six and seven. She needs to have slept well in that window. And by 13, 14 weeks of age, she's really alert and aware and she may not be sleeping well in that period. So when she feeds in the evening, she doesn't feed as well as she could and therefore she wakes more frequently for her feeds at night. So the actual answer to this is to go back and reassess what's happening for her between three and four o'clock in the afternoon and six and seven o'clock at night. She might be overtired, not feeding well, so therefore she's waking more frequently. Okay, good luck, Madison. And another question from Facebook Live. This is from Jane. I have a two-year-old who has what we think is night terrors. He wakes up and runs around the house absolutely manic, screaming and shouting, very unlike his normal behaviour. The only way we can get him get him to calm down is to put some quiet TV, TV on. I know, probably not the right right thing to do, which distracts him and then start the bedtime routine again. Do you have any advice for how to help with night terrors? Is it just a phase for the kiddies? I'm not sure that that is a technical night terror because he seems to have got out of his bed and running around the house. So I think... It depends on where he's at as a two-year-old. Is he like two and one month or is he nearly three years old? Because that sounds more behavioural to me. So I'm not sure how he gets to the point where he's running around the house. So normally the night terrors that we would normally associate with happen at the same particular time at night. Uh, They're quite unaware. They're really distressed and they sort of push parents away and and then they they sort of come through it themselves. But this sounds like he's got up and he's running around the house. So I'm not sure that's a night terror more than possibly some night behaviour. So I think the missing piece of information here is how does it start? So does it start at a similar time every night? Is he getting out of his bed himself or is he calling out and eventually, you know, you get him out of the bed and then he starts running around? Because that part of it is behavioural. Um, so I think what you've done is he's got himself, regardless of what's woken him, he's got himself wide awake and then you'll reset him by doing a little bit of quiet TV to calm him down and then resetting him back to bed. I think the key to this information is the bit that happens just beforehand as to how he got out of the bed in the first place. So are you asleep and suddenly hear him running around the house? So that's, we might put a little gate on the door or gate in the hallway so he's not got as much access to the rest of the house. And that's probably behavioural, just going up to him, taking him by the hand, putting him back into bed. Or is there something that's led into this point of where he is running around the house? So in this case, I think we need just a tiny little bit more information because that sounds like behaviour, um, but we don't know what set that behaviour off. Does so that make maybe, sense? Yeah, so Jane, if you're um, able to, maybe pop that detail on near your comment or somewhere that um, just our producer Deb what, can see it. Yeah, just what happens beforehand. Okay, so he just turned two. We get yep. him out of his cot as he's so distressed, hence the running around. Um, what oh, I will okay. say, Jane, is we have done um, an interview about night terrors on yeah. Feed Play Love with a, um, a specialist from the Sleep Health Foundation. And in that, um, you can search for it on the Babyology website. It's very detailed about things that Chris is talking about in terms of what's happening neurologically, for when, when they happen. Um, and the one thing that I will say, if it is night terrors, what we do know absolutely is that it's not doing any damage to your child. It's very no. distressing for the parents. Um, and I'm pretty sure she had some tips in that what you can do. Um, 
But this bit where he's running around is the behaviour off the back of it. So mm-hmm. we have to get him, keep him in the room and get him back into, getting back into sleep. So I think this one, by listening to the podcast, then working out which part of it is the night terror to which part of it then moves into the behavioural side of it. Mm. Well, maybe, um, she's, like I said, Chris is still here for three weeks. Yeah. So um, if, Jane, you'd like to listen to that podcast, if it makes sense, come back yeah. and we can try and pick it apart yeah. a bit further from there. And work out what to do for him when it gets to that point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry we couldn't answer that completely. It's yeah. a hard one. Well, at least we've led in the right direction. <laughs> we also have a follow-up question from Madison, who was oh, yes. the previous question with the 14-week-old and routines. What nap should I be aiming for during the day? You should have four sleep patterns in the day, two of which are an hour and a half and two are cat naps. So usually it would look along the lines of a good sleep and a cat nap in the morning period, so from when they get up to about lunchtime, and a good sleep and a nap in the afternoon period. So, you know, a good morning sleep before you go out, then she might have a nap while you're out, then a good lunchtime sleep and then a nap in the late afternoon. Sounds lovely. Yeah. I want that. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> we have a question from Facebook Live from Kate, um, nine-month-old, cutting down on bottles. Any advice on cutting down bottles through the night? Twin boys are having between three to four night feeds at nine months old. Wow. Is it a matter of just trying to resettle rather than feed? It is, and you could see that that would be a little bit of a nightmare with three uh, with twin boys. So the first thing I would do is make sure their days are right before I start cutting down the bottles at night. So um, with that many bottles at night, I'm assuming they don't take very much in the day, and that's where this has got itself a little bit backwards. So during the day, they need three bottles and three meals. Uh, they basically have a bottle in the morning, a bottle at lunchtime, and a bottle in the evening. Uh, anywhere around 180 mils um, in the day bottles and about 2 to 240 in the evening bottle. So if that's the case where they're actually taking more milk at night and they're not taking enough milk in the day, then for a couple of days what I would do is put very minimal milk in their night bottles. So something like maybe only 50 mils in those bottles so that you can work on them taking more milk in the day. So once we've got to a comfortable spot where they've got three meals and three bottles, um, the next thing is then to wean them off their bottles at night. So there would be a good argument just to go cold turkey, but with a household of two nine-month-old twins, I think that would just drive everybody slightly insane. So the one that I usually do is at this point is between when they go to bed at night and midnight, they get resettled because they've had enough food and enough fluid in the day. They don't need a feed by midnight until at least midnight. They don't need a feed at all, but I'd go to midnight. So resettle up to midnight. At midnight, if you get to that point and they're both awake, give them a good bottle. So give them 100 mils in the bottle and then from midnight till six in the morning, resettle. So we're just weaning them back off it. Once you've got them sleeping comfortably for that six hours, then a bottle, then six hours, then pick your weekend you're going to do this. But what you're going to do is take away that last bottle. It'll probably take you a couple of days to make sure you've got the day pattern going right. And then one weekend you do the bit where you go up to midnight and then midnight down to six in the morning. And then the next weekend you take the bottle away and it should be should 
should be good. <laughs> so <laughs> it could be confidence. noisy, but it should be good. <laughs> and I've got to say, I've seen this in action with Chris when yeah. she's held, and I'm sure the baby was around nine months. Yeah, he was ten was months. Ten yeah. months, and he was waking up a lot in yeah. the night, and she just honestly went in, tweaked the feeds in the day, and it and changed everything for them. So, yeah, so come back to us. If, it, if you've done part of it this weekend, come back to us. And we can tweak it a little bit more because, you know, there is the two factor, mm. which is not an easy, easy yes. one. Yes. <laughs> Good luck, Kate. Chris Minogue and Helpline on Feed Play Love will be back answering more questions right after this. When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club, one that only other parents can truly understand. I spent a lot of time running and yelling names. Come back, get back here. But I bought him one of those backpacks that had a lead, like, you know, a monkey one. Because it doesn't look as bad. Yeah, like a disguise. (laughs) The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for The Parent Panel wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to your questions with Helpline and Chris Minogue. This one comes from Jasmine on Facebook. Are there any signs to look out for what would indicate my daughter is ready to wean? She's one. Or will she never be ready and it will need to be initiated by me? I'm currently breastfeeding morning and night with a sippy cup of milk at lunch, which she may or may not drink. Her inconsistency with this milk feed makes me nervous and transitioning the other breastfeeds to a sippy cup too. No overnight feeds. My daughter has cow's milk protein intolerance, so the switch will be to oat milk. Okay, so Jasmine, I think you're in a good place. So usually at one year of age, they have three milk feeds in the day. So I think he's certainly starting that process, two breastfeeds and her little bit of milk in the day. She will get used to the milk as you wean off the breastfeeds. And some children, when we wean them, never drink any milk after that. They get their um, calcium through other dairy products that are about and their diet. So don't be too concerned. Just keep offering her uh, that milk at lunch time the oat milk with her but remember the oat milk and the breast milk are completely different flavors so she could be struggling a little bit with that so the next drop the next wean is usually um, around 14 months so 14 months they have usually around two milk feeds 16 months they have one milk feed and by 18 months they're off milk feeds which are associated with either bottles or breast. So I actually think you're in a good space and I would read from her. So if she starts to get distracted um, in the morning, like have the breast feed but not have breakfast, then I'd probably just drop the morning breastfeed and give her breakfast. And then the evening one will mutually go between the two of you. So you might get to a point where you've just decided enough is enough and she's eating enough and drinking enough and you would like to wean. But usually by 18 months, they're off all sucking feeds, so bottles and breasts. So I think you're in a really good space. And between the two of you, if you pick up on the cues, you'll just nicely do a wean over the next couple of months. Excellent. This next question comes from Facebook Live and Rachel. Thanks for your question, Rachel. Um, I'm wondering how I can get my 20-month-old toddler to sleep more than an hour during the day. He wakes about 7.30 a.m. and then I put him down <coughs> about 12.30 p.m. So he's day sleep um, and then he's up by 1.30. Yep. Uh, and it doesn't say what time he goes down. Do you want to pop that in there if you can, Rachel? Like what time do you, you go put down him to sleep in the evening. at night? But by the sounds of it, you got the timing right. Um, 20 months and sleeping an hour probably is average. Um, 
it's about keeping the owl for a bit longer. So keeping the owl hopefully until he's about two and a half. You could do the argy-bargy trying to resettle him, but some kids at 20 months only do an hour. So I think you have to weigh up the effort that you're going to put in to get him to sleep longer versus let's keep the hour and see how long we can keep the hour for. Um, but your timing is absolutely spot on. And I think depending on what time you put him to bed, if you go much Seven later, o'clock. yeah. So if you go much later, like put him down at one, my heart of hearts, he'll probably still only um, sleep till two, but you'd have to put him down then at 7.30. So I don't think you're actually going to gain anything by putting him down later. He's just going to go down later because they need five to five and a half hours from when they wake up to where they go down to sleep. So if you put him down at one, thinking he might sleep till 2.30, you will also need to push the night out as well. So you're not really gaining anything. So I I would think about that and decide, is it worth the effort of uh, resettling him to sleep longer versus actually let's just keep this one hour for as long as we can. God, it's hard to reset. It is. <laughs> they're loud. They walk around the bed. They throw things out. You know, they're just... I just had flashbacks but, yeah. to when my daughter was that age and I'd leave the room and my hair's yeah. all tussled yeah. and she's walking out behind me going, yeah, I won. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, um, on that note, good luck, Rachel. Um, we've got a question from Facebook, Lucy, with a five-month-old. Um, it's just a question about if and when to introduce a comforter toy to babies and what should you do if you catch them playing with it when they should be sleeping. I'm keen to move my five-month-old into a cot in her own room overnight as I'm pretty sure my husband and I are now disturbing her sleep when we come to bed or toss and turn. She's been successfully doing her naps in the bassinet in her room for the last month or so. We've recently started using the cot for these naps with mixed success. Up until now, her self-soothing technique was to nuzzle into and lick the side of her bassinet. Mm. Sounds so cute. It's all mesh, the bury mm. one. I'm open to putting a mesh bumper on one side of the cot for her to use, but my partner is against it. Mm. So I've tried introducing a toy instead. It works well for settling. She nuzzles into it, but it seems that when she wakes after one sleep cycle, she just starts playing with it and wakes herself up more fully. Is it too soon to introduce a comforter? And if so, what else can I do to bring her good napping habits back? For context, she generally wakes at 7am with us, down for a nap at 8.30, and we work to a 90-minute, two-hour awake window for the rest of the day. She used to do two-hour naps and then a short one in the afternoon, but for the last week or so hasn't napped more than 45 minutes. She's exclusively breastfed on demand and still waking two to three times overnight for a feed. I think we're on the path to successfully cutting out her 10.30 feed using your techniques from Bringing Baby Home by Chris Minogue. Um, Pretty sure she's also teething. Lots of drool and general grumpiness. She even she's even cried herself hoarse. We're also about to start introducing solids, so lots going on, and I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. Okay, so I'm assuming her arms are out, so for her to be able to use a comfort, there's that's usually when I introduce a comforter is when you start moving their arms out because they can grasp them and bring them in and snuzzle um, nuzzle into them like she's been doing. I think the 45-minute thing, though, is probably more about the size of the cot and the uh, size of the bassinet and the movement in the bassinet. So my guess is if you move it to the cot completely, um, within a day you could get your sleeps back because she's not moving around and bouncing the bassinet around. So I think if you're both ready for it, 
then place her into her cot. Um, I would give her her snuggly or whatever, lovey, whatever you might call it, and let it go off to sleep. And when she wakes and she starts playing with it, leave her to play with it and don't go in to settle her until she's been calling out or crying for a few minutes to see if she can then mouth, because that's what she was doing on the side of the bassinet, mouth onto that as long as that um, lovey is um, safe for her to do that. She can mouth on that and start to self-soothe again and go back to sleep. So I think I'd move her to the cot, um, sort of all the way. Uh, Having the comforter is fine. She just has it in her bed and when you get her out, you drop it back into her bed. I think she's going to self-soothe on it. So while she's playing and talking to it, she's connecting to it and I'm hoping that what will come back is that mouthing that she's doing on the side of her bassinet to bring back the association of self-settling. So we don't want her to do it on the cot edges. We wanted to do it maybe sucking the ear of her lovey or something like that. Um, And then I think some gentle resettling in your timeframes will start to bring this all back again. And and I don't think it would take you long. I think she's transitioning. Lots of drooling um, isn't necessarily teething. Um, so drooling is just the saliva glands, you know, working hard because she's getting she's coming up to starting solids. And once she learns, as she takes the solids, she'll learn to suck that saliva back down again so it won't be coming out of her mouth. So I think you do have a few things happening. So what I would do is concentrate on the transition from the bassinet to the cot, give that a week before I'd start solids because there might be a bit too much going on all at once. Good luck, Lucy. Um, We have time for just one more question. This is from Alex. It's an email about her 19-month-old. They've recently been waking overnight from around 1 to 3 a.m. He awakes for about an hour, sometimes up to two hours, which is getting very hard for us. We usually let him have a little cry for a while, then we go in and pat him until he calms and walk out and repeat. He has his comforter and dummies in the cot with him, which he... We sometimes have to remind him to use when resettling. He sleeps until around 6.30 in the morning, even if he has been up overnight. His day sleep is from 12.30 to 2.30, and at daycare it ranges from one to one and a half hours. He still has one bottle of cow's milk, around 200 to 240 mils before bed, and we put him down at 7.30. We're just not sure if we should be cutting his day sleep to only one and a half hours and waking him by 2 p.m. latest, or if it's just a settling issue at the moment. He's been sick on and off from daycare with constantly with bugs. We know they should have around five and a half, five and a half awake time before putting him to bed at night. However, pushing him to 8 p.m. seems a little late. We're also considering dropping the dummy as we are expecting our second baby at the end of the year and want to simplify. But obviously, we need to get the overnight sleeping sorted first. What do we do? I think his timing in the day is perfectly fine. And you are doing five hours if he's getting up at 2.30 and you put him down at 7.30. So there's nothing wrong with your timing. I think the behaviour at night is specific to the night. I don't think it's something that's going on for him in the day. And I don't think you need to cut back the day sleep because I think he'll just end up with a cranky baby in the end. I'd actually sort of try and get the resettling happening with the night by just doing a very gentle version of leaving him going in and doing minimal. So the more you have to put him to sleep, the bigger this problem will get. The more you have to remind him where dummies are and snugglies are, the bigger this problem will get. So when you hear him overnight, because there's nothing from what we can read here that you're doing wrong. Everything seems spot where it should be. 
then I'd be dealing with night waking. So I'd probably leave him for five minutes or so. You can pick your timing. Go in and do very minimal. Lay him down, time for sleep, out of that room. Okay. Then leave him just a little bit longer than whatever you did the first time. Then go back in, lay him down, time for sleep, and then out of there. And then over a few nights, I think he'll start connecting these two things together and he'll go back to sleeping longer. I think what's happened is he's just woken up at night, started talking, has fully woken himself up, and now he can start wandering around the bed and talking to all his friends and then he's fully awake. So we've got to sort of just gently get him to go back to sleep. But I wouldn't change anything you're doing in the day. All right. Good luck, Alex. Uh, And that's all we have time for on Helpline and this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you are watching along live with the Babyology Facebook page, a big thank you for your questions. And just remember that, um, as I mentioned, (laughs) at the top of the show, Chris is going away at the end of this month. So we've got three weeks... I think including, no, from next week's three weeks. So you've got like maybe three more chances to get your questions into Chris. So if you're listening via the podcast, send us an email. Um, You can do that via Facebook Live or just join us at the same time next week. Everyone deserves a holiday. And we are switching (laughs) Chris out for someone completely different. We're going to have a look at relationships with the wonderful Kirsty Levin from the Parents Village, which is a a group that's really um, experienced at helping new families and all the changing Mm. relationships that happen that way way. Um, So thank you, Chris, for your time today. It's a pleasure. This has been Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt. If you want to ask Chris your questions for the next episode, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Allergies are on the rise in Australia, so it's important to know the safest way to introduce new food to babies. Children that have um, that maybe have a sensitivity looming or that may show that they might have some allergies, if you give something that they're okay with and then you take it away again for six weeks, the body then could see it as um, the enemy because allergy is um, you, an overreaction of your immune system. That's Heidi Young, a specialist in childhood allergies. She has the latest information on how we should be feeding our babies. That's on the next episode of Feed, Play, Love. Our producer is Debbie Ning, and I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. Mm -hmm.